Well, good morning, church. How we doing? Guys, I'm so excited you came back. You guys have no clue. Last, <laughs> last week, I left on vacation and thought, I don't know if anyone's coming back. So I'm so excited to see you. For those of you uh, who, uh, who are new with us today, my name is Peter Anderson. I'm the senior pastor here at, uh, at FB Hanford. We're excited that you're here. We're in an exciting season as a church. If you missed out last week, um, uh, we, I mean, we laid it out in the direction that we're going. And I say we, and it was largely just me on stage. Um, but... Uh, but if you missed that and you're interested in hearing more about that and that sort of thing, uh, you've always been able to uh, listen to our messages online on the website. You had to go to the website, find the sermons page, all of that stuff. We're on, a, we, we're on Apple iTunes now as a podcast. And so if you're a podcaster, it's really simple. Go into your phone to podcast. Just search FBH. Um, we're the first one that pops up right there. You can subscribe to that. And it's super simple for you to be able to listen to it um, from your mobile device now. The other thing, uh, there's actually two more things. Um, one of the other things is uh, our, I, I know that for a lot of you, our music is, is new and we're learning new songs and that sort of thing. And so Kyle and I talked about possibly a way to be able for all of you to hear some of these songs before you come into church. So it could be a little bit easier for you to enter in to, uh, to worship through song. And so if you're familiar we have, uh, with, uh, there's a, an online program called Spotify. Uh, it's free. You go to Spotify.com. You can download it. Um, and you just search FBH music and Kyle is regularly putting our set lists for the upcoming week on Spotify. And so you can find those, that, that music, you can rock out in your car ahead of time. If you want to, you can be surprised later on. Also, if you, if you don't like the type of music that we play, there's also awesome channels that have hymns and that sort of thing on there too. And so you're not regulated just to what we'll be listening to, but if you do want to access that, that's on there as well. And the last thing, um, that we have, uh, this week, uh, this last week, actually, um, we know that this big metal box is an issue for anybody who has uh, a cell phone uh, provider that is AT&T, who are my AT&Ters in here. I'm one of them. I come here every week and my phone every day and my phone just gets drained as it's looking for service, right? Um, and so one of the things we did, we had our, uh, our IT company that we partner with. They're on contract with us and that sort of thing. They came in and they redid our Wi-Fi in here. And so there was a slide at the head of service. Uh, if you were to look on your Wi-Fi settings, if you were to take out your phone, you don't need to, but there's a, a little setting that says FBH public. Um, and, uh, and we'll have those slides go after service again there's a password there you can enter and you should be able to get much better service if the nursery needs to communicate with you regarding your kids or anything like that you'll now be sure to uh to get those text messages and that sort of thing so we have all that going on i wanted to make you aware of that and then uh just as a reminder starting february 3rd service begins at what time 10 o'clock good so you who come in at 10 15 we're gonna know you didn't listen so, um, one thing I did want to clear up uh, regarding last week, though, uh, was in regard to worship through song. And uh, I got a couple couple people shot me an email um, and just had mentioned, "Hey, you may have come off a little a little strong when you mentioned uh, our direction and worship through song and that sort of thing." And I appreciated the feedback. and And my intention in my words wasn't to offend people. I want you. To, to hear that. It wasn't to offend people. My intention in what I said was to put a marker in the sand and answer any question people may have had regarding the direction of our church. 
And so if I offended you, I apologize. Maybe I could have uh, uh, communicated that a little better, but my intention wasn't to offend or make anybody upset. My intention was to say, no, this is the direction we are going from this point forward. So again, if, if I offended you, I apologize. And uh, if you want to come and talk to me about it, feel free. Um, but regardless of me eating crow on stage for the first time, uh, we're, uh, we're still moving through, through vision month, uh, which means now that we have identified our direction, I want to take the next few weeks and talk through our mission and what we're going to do. And so last week we told you that our mission is to love God, love people and serve the world. And actually, as I went back and listened to myself this week to, uh, to prepare for, for this week, um, I realized that two different times I said, love God, love others, and serve the world, which doesn't change the meeting, but if, we, if anybody should know our mission, it should probably be me. So uh, I apologize for that. I love God, love people, and serve the world. Um, and so each week for the next few weeks, uh, we're going to focus on one of these, which means this week we are starting with love God. And we need, to, we need to recognize first and foremost that, that everything starts from here. Love God. And so as you look at that X, as we showed you that X last week, it said love God right on top. There's a reason that is on top because everything comes from that. We are to love God first. Everything starts with our love of God. Because as a reminder, church, we're, we're not merely a social gathering or an after school program aimed at increased morality. We're, we're here for the equipping of the saints to go out and impact our neighborhoods and impact our workplaces and impact our families and impact our friends in the name of Christ. And we do that, and, and here we do that, and we call those people our oikos, those people that God has both supernaturally and strategically placed in our lives for each and every one of us to be able to impact for the name of Christ. We can't do that apart from loving God. It's impossible and I'm sure there's some of us in the room today as you walked in, you're like, oh, we're doing Love God. We're doing that sermon today. Like I would be in the same, like if I walked in and the sermon title was Love God, I'd be like, okay, I've heard this like a thousand times. He's going to talk to you through, you know, Deuteronomy 6 and he's going to go to Mark 12 and he's going to do, like, I get it. I'd be in the same boat that you are. But regarding the fact that this is an incredible, I mean, this is a cornerstone of what we need to be as a church, of what we need to do as a church. I want you to do your best to just, to just lean in because largely our mission begins with us loving God to the best of our ability. And we can do nothing apart from God. In our own abilities, we fall short every single time. It's just the reality of human nature. We've talked about this over and over and over again, that we're broken and we're sinful individuals, every single one of us. We're broken and we're sinful. And apart from a loving God, we are, we're a glorified YMCA. Our purpose becomes non-existent, which is why loving God is paramount to making this entire thing work, to making the entire mission of the church work. And I'm not just talking about FBH. I'm talking about the capital C church, every church under the umbrella of Christendom, right? We can't do it apart from loving God first. And churches get themselves into trouble when they try to do it on their own strength, when they try to do it on their own accord and say, oh, no, I personally have a great idea. And what happens is we kind of put God in a corner, we put God in a box, and we say, okay, yep, this is the God time right now, but look how fantastic we look. And that's not the intention here. The intention here is to first start with a love and a devotion to God. And so this morning, your first fill in the blank is going to be, we need to choose to love him with passion and purpose. We need to choose to love him with passion and purpose purpose. Luke, uh, Luke six forty five. it says this, it says beneath the will with its decisions, there's the heart 
which produces our preferences. And these preferences guide the will. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good. And the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. God makes it very clear that he wants all of us. He wants all of our heart. He wants all of our mind. He wants all of our soul. He wants all of our strength. And he, he wants invested in your relationship with him. He wants all of that in, in our relationship with him more than anything. He craves a relationship in which every single one of us are all in. Every single piece of us. Anyone who's been all in knows that loving passionately is about loving purposely. You have to do it on purpose. There has to be intention behind it. You can't love passionately and not have a purpose behind that. The two elements feed each other. Your passion drives your purpose and your purpose feeds your passion over and over and over again. Anybody in a marriage relationship understands this, that you have to love intentionally. You have to live purposefully. And as you do that, it increases your passion of love and vice versa. They feed one another. Gary Chapman, some of you may be uh, familiar with him. He's the author of The Five Love Languages. Anybody read that book, Five Love Languages? Yeah, I see a couple nods. Okay, where are my acts of service people at? Amen. Okay, no, just me. A couple of you, you're like, yep, we're the needy ones. You need to do things for me. Okay, that's me, 100%. If I feel feel love, it's because someone did something for me on my behalf. So like, there is no greater love than I will show my wife when I come home and the entire house is just immaculately clean, right? And I'm like, oh my gosh, I love you so much right now. Thank you for love. This isn't about me though. Uh, Gary Chapman though, (laughs) Gary Chapman, he says that our most basic emotional need is not to fall in love. It's not to fall in love. It's to be genuinely loved by another, to know a love that grows out of reason and choice, not instinct. I need to be loved by someone who chooses to love me, who sees in me something worth loving. What are the daily choices you make to love God passionately? Because we're a reflection of him. You can begin by simply asking yourself, how do I hope to be loved? And you already have what it takes to to create an extraordinary relationship with Jesus. And, And the bottom line, to be loved by God, you have to do nothing to be loved by God. And it's, it's completely and totally backwards from the vast majority of religions in the world. Is this saying, hey, you, uh, you need to earn your favor to God. You need to do this for God and then you will be accepted. Christianity is backwards, man. Where we have a creator of the, uh, of the heaven and the earth, this awesome, incredible creator, God, who loves us enough to say, you know what? You don't have to do anything. As a matter of fact... I know you're going to continue to do things. I know you're going to continue to sin. I know you're going to continue to cheat on me. But regardless of that, I'm going to send my one and only son on your behalf. And all I ask in return is that, man, man, as you grow in your relationship with me, that you you do your best to continue to become holy. But all he wants is to love us well and for us to love him as well, too. If you're married, we can glean some wisdom regarding our relationship with God from your relationship with spouse. If you don't pursue your spouse every single day, they are, they're still going to be your spouse, at least for a while. They're still going to be your spouse, right? 
And if you wake up and you brush your teeth and you grab some coffee and you read your, you read your Bible and then you get on Facebook or Instagram and scroll through for a little bit and share the things that you thought were funny or meaningful or political, whatever party you fit into, right? Whether it's cat memes or, or, or political memes, whatever. And you do those things and largely you ignore your spouse and then you go to bed and you repeat the same routine as you're going to bed and you crash and you wake up the next morning. You've done nothing to be intentional with your wives. Husbands, how does that go for you? Not well. Thank you. (laughs) Not well. And it's true. That's the reality. That was rhetorical. Thanks for answering. But that's true. It doesn't go well for us. There's no intention there. And not just because our spouse is going to get upset at us, right? For completely and totally ignoring them, which by the way, God doesn't do. He's like, Hey, look, I'm here. Whenever you are ready, I am here. There is consistency there. But beyond that, there is going to be a schism that forms in your relationship with you and your spouse where pretty soon you guys are going to begin drifting apart because there is no intention behind your relationship. There is no purpose behind your relationship. And as there is no purpose, your passion for that relationship fails. And as you become less passionate about that relationship, your purpose fails. And so what we need to continue to remind ourselves in our relationship with God is that we, we have to be, we have to go to work essentially to grow that relationship with him. If we don't choose to love him well, then, then we're going to fall away from God as well. I saw it all the time in youth ministry, right? It broke my heart every single time. And, and, and without fail, we w- I would have a student from the time they were a freshman to the time they graduated high school. And I'd be talking to them their entire senior year. Hey, where are you going to school? What are your plans? Are you going into the military? Are you going to the workforce? What are you doing? And you know, answers all across the board. Some people are military. Some people are going to a four-year college. Some people are staying local and going to school and that sort of thing. Great. But I would keep telling him, hey, you, wherever you are, you find a church, you get plugged in, you figure out a spot where you are going to be able to love God and love God well. And I would tell him this over and over and over again. And then they'd come back from break or on break, right? At Christmas time, I'm like, hey, what church are you plugged into? What are you doing? Where are you at? All this stuff. And they're like, well, I haven't really found a church yet, but I'm looking. I'm going to find one. And then they come back. For Easter, Easter break, right? They come back on Easter break. I'm like, hey, what, where are you at? What's your relationship like with God? Where, what church are you plugged into? Well, I haven't really found a church. And to be honest with you, I haven't prayed much lately. Okay, summertime. They're coming back again. I got two and a half months with them to be able to feed them, be able to talk with them, encourage them, all this stuff. And ultimately, by the time they come back after their first year of school, they are largely not walking with Christ anymore. And the reality is, isn't necessarily just because, oh, they're young and dumb and they're 19 years old and that's just what young kids do. And eventually they'll have kids. They'll want to raise kids in the church and they'll come back. Regardless of that is the fact that they chose at some point to stop investing time in their relationship with God. Whether that meant going to church, whether that meant being a part of a small group, whether that meant simply waking up in the morning and doing a regular devotion, whatever it may have been, they stopped investing time with God and God wants us to love him with every single part of us. And we've done our best is in Western Christianity, even to boil it down, to make it really easy for us to follow, right? Hey, 15 minutes, you can pray, you can read for 10, pray for five, and you're good for the entire day regarding God. And we try to make it even as simple, simple as we can. But the reality is that's not what scripture tells us. 
We're supposed to love God with every single fiber of our being. The Bible is clear on that. And that's your next point is love him with all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your mind, and all of your strength. God has, has a single expectation for a relationship with you. And he spells it out in his, he spells out that desire in the Bible. It says in Mark 12, verse 30 and 31. It says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. 31 we're going to get to in a, uh, in a week, right? But verse 30 right there, it tells us, man, that it is laid out perfectly for us. His desire for us is to love God with every single fiber of our being. And this isn't just like a New Testament thing. This isn't just a G, like a, a Jesus thing where everybody says, like, right, I say, Jesus is, what is Jesus? And everybody's like, love. Right, but this is also an Old Testament thing. Actually, Jesus is quoting from the book of Deuteronomy here, Deuteronomy 6, where it says in verse 5, love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your strength. Jesus is hearkening back to, to an old covenant point of view here. Some have called this, uh, this command in Deuteronomy the all command because the word all occurs numerous times in this scripture. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind, all your strength. The use of all doesn't allow for, for split affections. Saying all of your mind doesn't say, hey, love the Lord your God with your mind and then also love uh, the L.A. Dodgers. Okay, because God would never say that. I'm convinced of it. <laughs> I haven't thrown a Dodgers joke out there in a while. I felt the need to. Um, but the use of the word all doesn't allow for split affections or split allegiances. If there's one God who stands supremely, one God who stands powerful and, supreme, and, and is supremely valuable, this demands a supreme and total loyalty to him from us. That's what ultimately it demands. In, in Deuteronomy, uh, a loving God is central to actually Moses' message. And so again, this isn't just a Jesus thing. The seriousness of the call is stressed in, in Deuteronomy 7. It's verses 9 and 10. I don't have it on the screen. It says, though, know therefore today that Yahweh, your God, is God, the faithful God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his command to a thousand generations and repays to their face those who hate him by destroying them. He will not be slack with one who hates him. He will repay him to his faith, loving God, that is. Loving Jesus in a way that leads us to follow him is so important for he alone is life. John fourteen sixteen tells us that. He is the way, he is the truth, and he is the life. Throughout the Bible, God has always called for a relationship that starts from the inside, not from things that we do on the outside. It starts from within. And the heart focus is a central part of these things, a central part of Deuteronomy, like I said. Deuteronomy 4, 39 and 40, it says, Know therefore today and lay it to heart that Yahweh is God in heaven, above and on earth, beneath. There is no other. Therefore, you shall keep his statuses and his commandments. Right? It goes on and on and it talks about the heart. Get these truths inside of you. And once these truths are within, they're going to generate a new kind of living. Similarly, if you were to look ahead to 6.6, it says, These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. In Jeremiah, we hear it in 31.33, where God says that in the new covenant, he says, uh, he says, I put my law within them and I will write it on their hearts. 
This isn't just a New Testament thing. This isn't a new thing that we've all of a sudden encountered and, and unleashed in Western Christianity. This is something that goes way back to Old Testament, one of the oldest books in, in, in the Old Testament in Deuteronomy. God called that old covenant, the Jewish community, to love him from the heart. And Jesus is used to the passage in Mark 12 tells us that nothing has changed. And we need to continue to do so. We still have our desires. We still have our will. We still have our emotions and our attitude and our perceptions and even our thoughts. But everything should be completely and totally enveloped by our love of God. Loving God with all your heart means reserving the best of your affection for him. Make time each day to build an intimate relationship with him through prayer, through conversation. He wants to know you. He wants to be known by you. He wants what's best for you. He understands what's best for you. Man, when I was young, I was so terrible at this. I was so bad at this. I wanted to do things on my own completely and totally. And as I continue to get older and do my best to mature, (laughs) my wife may have a different story regarding my maturation process, but still, as I do my best to mature, all I know is that, man, I don't want it to be about me. I want it to be about God. And I know that unless I am going to him regularly, there is nothing that I am going to that I am going to produce that's going to be of any value and any worth apart from Him. We have to be willing to invest in this relationship with Him. And so, some things you, you start by sharing joys with Him. Run to Him uh, when you have a great day at, at work, and on your drive home, you're just like, "Man, God, thank you so much for showing up today. I couldn't have gotten through that four-hour meeting without you, Lord." <laughs> Or a hard conversation that you, you weren't looking forward to. But ultimately, you had the hard conversation. It turned out way better than you thought it was going to. That God showed up in the midst of that conversation. But, but not just your joys. Talk to God when you're upset. Man, when my dad had cancer, me and God went rounds. I would, I would be mowing my parents' lawn, right? And they, have a, they live on an acre. They have a massive, like most of it's grass. And so I had plenty of time to talk to God. But I'd be mowing their lawn for them. And I would be verbal, like angrily verbalizing my prayers. It would be like, God, like how dare, like how can you take the man like who has taught me everything that I know about you has been responsible for, for my spiritual maturity, has been responsible for my growth, and you thought it was a good idea to take him home? Are you kidding me? I'm 21. I'm not ready for this. Cure my... We went rounds, God and I did. And I didn't hurt his feelings. He's a big old God. And he understands the, the, the longing of my heart. He understands the longing of your heart. So you go to him with joys, but you also go to him with your sorrows. You go to him with your sadness. You go to him with your frustrations. And man, our God is so big and willing to love us and forgive us and knows exactly what it is that we need. That once we get the opportunity to thank him and, and, and cry and, and, and just be sorrowful with him, then we need to stop for a second and listen. Because we are so good at saying all of the things that we want and saying, God, here's my wish list. Take care of it. I'm shutting it down. I'm going to go do some other things. But then stop for a second and just just sit and listen to God and the things that you have for him. I forgot who the theologian was, but, but he essentially said that prayer is being quiet long enough to hear the Holy Spirit speaking to our holy God. 
man, what an image that is. And there's no scripture to back that up, but at least to be able to allude to that and think through, man, if I'm just quiet long enough to hear the steadiness of who God is and who God wants me to be. But beyond our heart, we need to love him with all of our soul as well. Loving God with all of our soul means dedicating our life to him. Beginning by asking him, how do you want me to spend my time? How do you want me to spend my energy? How do you want me to spend my money? How do you want me to spend my talents? What can I do with my resources to honor you? Find out what God values and stay true to those things. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Which means figure out what it is that God wants you to do and do it. Love him with all of your resources. He may ask you to shift your spending habits from self-indulgence to those less fortunate. He may encourage you to change your attitude toward work. He'll probably ask you to find friends who support your relationship with him. He'll definitely urge you to forgive and love people the way that he forgives and loves you on a regular basis. He'll ask you to do all of those things. And in every area of your life, look for ways to show your commitment to him and love him with all of your soul. And then obviously mind and strength as well. Loving God with all your minds means backing up your passion with knowledge. Benjamin Franklin has been credited with saying, if passion drives you, let reason hold the reins. If passion drives you, let reason hold the reins. More modern author, Simon Sinek, would tell you, start with why. Understand what it is that you're doing. Understand what it is you believe. Church, you got to understand what it is we believe. That's why last week in my 57-minute manifesto that I gave you and you all hung on, congratulations for hanging on. That round of applause should be for all of you. And then we had the audacity to communion afterwards. I know. But the first half hour, if you were to go back and listen to it, man, that first half hour is essentially saying, look, this is why I believe what we we need to do, what it is that we're going to be doing. I didn't come in and just say, these are the things, deal with it. I said, no, look, here's the things we're good at. Here's the things we struggle with. Here's why we need a new vision. Here's our vision. Okay, as you enter into your relationship with God and you begin to understand what it means to love God more and more and more and more, that means you have to love him with all of your mind. You have to be in his word. You have to be around other people who are going to encourage you and challenge you. You have to be in church on a regular basis so you can be encouraged, so you can be challenged. You can be around other people who know and love God as you do. And then man, seek his answers. Read the Bible, take a class, do whatever it is there. Like I said last week, there's more information available online regarding who God is than there ever has been in the history of the earth. Go find out, go love God with all of your mind. There is more literature out there. I mean, you want to learn about how to be a Christian and lose like the Christian diet. Great. There's a thing with Christian diet. It's a great time. It's January. Most of us have fallen off our new year's resolutions already. So go pick up the book about a Christian diet. You want to do that? Great. You can love the Lord your God with all your mind in that way. Man, you want to learn about how to be a better leader from a Christian perspective? Great. There's thousands of Christian leadership books. Trust me, I'm doing my best to read every single one of them. But whatever it is, we need to love the Lord our God with all of our mind as well. Man, when I started dating Sarah, uh, I didn't love her right away. Okay? I know it's weird. It's shocking for those of you who know my wife. You're like, what? You idiot. I know. I get it. Not because anything was wrong with her. I just didn't know Sarah well enough to make an informed decision about loving her. 
But as we went on date after date, I got to know her better. Uh, My love grew for her more deeply every single time that we hung out because I took the opportunity to find out what it is that made her tick. I found out what her likes were. I found out what her dislikes were, what she was passionate about, things she couldn't care less about. And I fall more and more in love with her every single day, every single time we have a conversation because I'm learning more about my bride. Every single time we have that conversation. Before we were married, I had no clue how much she cared about other women coming to know Jesus. And then we got married. And then all of a sudden I have this young bride who's doing her best to try to figure out what it means to love Jesus and, and, and love God and be a new bride at the same time. And so she just started lighting up when she was around other ladies who were in her same stage of life. And I was like, man, she loves women so well. And then two years later, something else happened. We popped out a baby. And then, and then we started, we start, what? That's not, that's not the proper vernacular. Sorry, we had a little bundle of joy. <laughs> but we had a kid, right? And, and all of a sudden, Sarah, like I, I began to see my wife in a brand new way that, that my wife's love, like who she was changed. And my love for her grew even deeper because I, I found out more about her. That she loves babies better than she loves anything in the entire world. And beyond that, her love shifted just from from not just ladies, but now specifically young moms who are in her stage of life. The man, she gets the opportunity to love and pour into young moms. So one of the reasons we were excited to come to FBH was because of the, the mom's SOS group that we had. And Sarah was like, that's perfect. I have a place of ladies, young moms who need to be fed, who need to be poured into. And I'm so excited to be a part of that. And all these things aren't just to like build up my wife, right? I mean, she, she does that on her own. She's pretty phenomenal. But I'm saying all these things to remind you that as I learn these things, I fall deeper and deeper in love with her. And in the same way, we need to continue to sharpen our minds towards God. So as we learn more and more about God, we can fall deeper, more deeply and deeply in love with him. That's where we need to go. Needs to remain the same when we come, with, we come to our relationship with him. Beyond loving just with our mind also means directing our thoughts to valuable things. And when you focus on hope and love instead of fear and hate, your heart and your actions follow. Philippians 4.8 says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right. Think about things that are pure and lovely and admirable. Think about the things that are excellent and worthy of praise each day. Think about God. Wonder about God. And if you're having a hard time doing that, man, go to nature somewhere. Go to the beach. We were at the beach last week so I could ignore all the angry emails and everything like that. And <laughs> I'm just kidding. Um, but, but we're sitting there and the ocean is just thrashing. I mean, it is not a good day to be at the beach, right? It's raining and the ocean is angry and all this stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking, God is so cool. Dude, there is going to be a day next week where it's perfectly calm and sand castles are great. And I'm not have to, I wouldn't have to worry about my two-year-old getting pulled into a rip current and eaten by a great white shark or anything like that. But man, today, look at God today is on full display because we looked at, we looked at this area. My wife said, boys, Look at how crazy the sea is right now. Look at how much it's thrashing. Remember that story in the gospel where Jesus stands up in the middle of the boat and he just says, be still. 
And it just brought this reality to our kids that, man, we get to wonder about God. We get to love God with all of our mind as well. And then loving God strongly is, is, is walking away from gossip that you would prefer to be a part of a group. It's admitting you're wrong and making a change. It's asking people to help you to protect your relationship with God when you don't feel like protecting your relationship with God. It's avoiding the people and the things that could take your attention and love away from him on a regular basis. It's getting up and trying again after you failed. Each day being willing to fight for your relationship with God. We can go on and on and on with this verse. But unfortunately, I don't want to get you guys mad at me for doing two-hour messages in a row. So, beyond that, in order to love God, we need to be present. Uh, But we need to be present. We need to love in the moments. We need to love in the moments. Every day is made up of hundreds of little moments that are opportunities to love God and love God well. And every single opportunity matters. When loving moments are strung together, they form days. When, when loving days are strung together, they, they, they become months and months to years. And over time, years of love for God make up an incredible love story. The book of Psalm chapter 100 If you want to feel accomplished today, go to Psalm 100. It's five verses long. So I'm going to read all of Psalm 100 to you today. But it exemplifies it perfectly. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Know that the Lord is God. It is he who made us and we are his. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and praise his name for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. And I don't know about you, but there are so many opportunities that I have in my life where I just need to stop and be thankful in the moment for a God who loves me where I am. I don't got to be perfect. I don't have to be completely and totally put together. All I have to be is do, I just have to be willing to show up and say, God, just thank you. Thank you. In a fast paced culture that we live in, man, we are going a million miles an hour doing our best to try to keep everything together. And we rarely take an opportunity to stop and just be thankful for God, thankful to God and love him in the moments. Man, one of the greatest blessings I have in my life is my five kids. I talk about them enough, uh, but they're incredibly beautiful, active little boys uh, who we're doing our best to train up into, into warriors who can love God well and continue to, to, uh, to proclaim his name. But just last night, we got home a a little later than normal. We had a busy day. I was up at an ordination um, for one of my friends, and Sarah was doing single mom life with all five of the kids. And man, that is not an easy gig. And plus, she had to get ready for a party that we were taking them to. And so so I get home, and it was just like, they're kids. Our house looked like what you would assume it would look like when there's five kids living there, right? And so um, I sat down to kind of polish this thing up, and my message up and uh, I'm walking and I stop and, and there's like five paper airplanes to my left that, that our middle son Owen loves making and he's terrible at making paper airplanes, um, but he loves trying real hard. And so that's to my left and I look in our, in our family room and there's this train set up that, uh, that is like halfway set up and the rest of the pieces are scattered a little bit too far away, which means they're probably using the train tracks for swords and that sort of thing. Uh, and and, and, and I already told you that like, man, acts of service, I come home, our house is like clean and put together and all like that is perfect, right? Um, 
And I thought to myself, okay, right now I can have one of two reactions. I can either just be really frustrated that our house isn't the way that I would, that, that would calm me down. Or I can walk by these things and say, God, I am so thankful for my six-year-old who wants to do his best to be creative and is trying over and over and over again to be able to make these paper airplanes that, granted, he left on the floor, but still he's doing his best to do this. Or, or, or walking by the train set that our two-year-old is doing his best to try to be able to utilize his trains with him, play these trains, and he has no clue how to put train tracks together, and he has even less clue how to put train tracks away, obviously. But, but I am so incredibly grateful for the opportunity to have these five kids, and I just stopped and I just said, God, thank you for this messy house right now. Like, thank you that I have the opportunity to raise these five kids who can completely and totally destroy my house and destroy my sanity with it sometimes. But thank you for the opportunity to love them and love them well. And we need to be able to do that. We need to be able to stop and just just be thankful and love God in those moments. And it's not to say I'm perfect. I need to figure out how to how to thank God for bad drivers still. Um, but regardless, there are those moments where we need to pause and thank the Lord for loving us and loving us well, simply because that's what we need to do. And ultimately, when we recognize who he is in our lives and how grateful we should be for him, we can come to the conclusion that loving God should lead us to respond to him. And that's your last blank. Loving God should lead us to respond to him in some way. It's impossible to be in a loving relationship with our God and not be able to respond to him and respond to him in some way. It's impossible. Jesus Christ is the single most polarizing figure to ever walk the face of the earth. Wars have been started over him. Families have been torn apart because some believed in him and others didn't. People have been sentenced to death simply because they testified to his name. So wherever it is that you fall on the spectrum of your relationship with God, you have made some decision about how you feel about him. You need to respond to God in some way and a loving God in some way. But loving God and loving him well demands a response from us. Which is why at FBH, we aren't simply asking you to just love God. We're not saying, hey, love God. Our mission statement isn't love God. The direction we're going as a church isn't simply, hey, man, you just go out there, slugger and love God. That's not our intention. That's not what we're trying to do. Our mission is clear that we're to love God and we are to then love people. And then we are to serve the world. Because everything starts there. Everything starts with love God. And we do the second two things simply because we wholeheartedly are committed to the first. We love people and we serve the world because we love God. We love people and we serve the world because we love God. We go back into the heart of Hanford because we love God. We get into small groups and community because we love God. We do these changes, we move and we shift and we, and, and we go in different directions as a church to do our best to try to get people in here who don't yet know him, who need to know him. Not because we want to put ourselves on a pedestal and because we want to say, no, I'm right. No, my way is right. No, my way is right. It's not the intention here. The intention here is for, for everybody to know that they need to love God, that we are to love God. Do you watch the World Series in 2010? Yeah. Some of you are smirking. 
Uh, in 2010, I did, in case you were curious, because it was the first of the three World Series the Giants won in a five-year span. Yeah, it's good. Take that round of applause. Uh, but the reason I say that uh, is because as I sat at, in my in-law's living room, Okay, I sat in my in-laws' living room. It was the last game of this series, uh, and uh, and I sat there with four generations of Giants fans. Right, uh, it was my 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 oldest son Cooper. Um, I was there. Sarah's dad was there, and then Sarah's grandparents, diehard Giants fans. So I married into a good family. Um, but but I sat there and I watched Brian Wilson strike out Nelson Cruz. To, to end the World Series, right? Buster Posey comes up, gives Brian Wilson a big hug. But in that moment, my dedication and my love for the Giants demanded a response. It demanded a response. So what did me and my brothers-in-law do? We tackled each other. We had no clue what we were doing. We were just hooping and hollering. It was the greatest thing to ever happen because of our passion and our love for the San Francisco Giants. And we had dedicated time to, way too much time to, an unhealthy amount of time to, probably. But we loved him so much that, that it demanded a response when something happened, when we learned something about him, when, when they were successful, whatever it is, when we, it demanded a response. And it was a massive, probably overspent response. 2012 and 2014 weren't as fun because when you win a World Series as Dodgers fans, this is for you. When you win a World Series and you win multiple, it gets a little boring after a while. Okay? You're, you're not there yet. You'll get there, I'm sure. But it demands, it demands a response, and our love for God is the same way. We have to recognize that as we love God, it cannot stop there. It has to continue into loving people. It has to continue into serving the world. It demands a response from each and every one of us. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next two weeks. For the next two weeks, we're going we're gonna to get into the idea of loving people next week. And then after that, we're going to get into the idea of, of serving the world. But man, we need to remain rooted in the idea that we are to first love God and love him a whole awful lot. And then everything else should naturally flow out of us. Because when we do that, then we get the opportunity to love people well and impact the kingdom for Christ. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thankful for you and thankful for your son and thankful for this church and Oh, man, God, I pray that you would continue to go before us. You would continue to, uh, to love us well despite ourselves. And, God, I pray that you would just put a passion in our hearts, a desire to spend time with you, to spend time in your word, to spend time in communication with you, to spend time with other believers, God, so we can just love you with the entire fiber of our being. God, I pray incredibly deeply for that for every single one of us here, even as we're doing our best in our New Year's resolutions and that sort of thing. God, I just pray that right now we would just decide I'm going to, one of my resolutions, I'm two weeks late, but man, I'm going to invest more time with God this year. God, I pray that'd be true. And I pray that we would fall more and more in love with you as we spend more and more time with you, as we learn about you, as we seek you with our soul, with our mind, with our strength. God, I just pray that that you would draw us near. And Lord, there's those in here who don't yet know you, haven't yet made a decision for you. And we talked a whole lot about loving you. And so God, for for those people, 
And I just pray in the, in the quietness of their own hearts with all heads still bowed and eyes still closed that they would just pray what we call the ABCs. That they would say, God, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a Savior. God, I am, I am messed up just like every single person in here. That I will consistently fall short of your glory, fall short of your call on my life, fall short of what you intended humanity to be in the first place. God, I, I messed up. That be, they would be you would, we would believe that you sent your son to die on a cross on our behalf. And that he conquered death and came again three days later. So we could be glorified with him for all of eternity. But ultimately we need to recognize, see, Father, we would choose to follow you every single day. So that we can listen to what you would have for us. We can learn what you have for us. So as we continue to love you more deeply... And as we choose to follow you, that it would indeed demand a response from us. That because of our love for you, we would respond accordingly. So, Father, we love you today. We love you every day. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. Hey, thank you, church. Just a quick reminder. Uh, if, uh, if you made a decision today, um, we would love to know on your Connect card. There's a little box for you to check, and you can leave those Connect cards with the ushers or in the baskets at the exits. We'll see you next week. Bye-bye.